Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome along to another episode of the Mild Mannered Army podcast with me, Mild Mannered Max. Of course, that's not my real name, but uh, we don't need to get into that. This week, I'm joined by the magnificent Mr. Nick Ames, author, journalist, all-round good egg, and a cultural commentator too, I think it would be fair to say. There have been a bit of chatter online amongst the Britpop Twitterati about modern life is rubbish, sparked by comments on another Britpop podcast where uh, the hosts, at least one of them, had not been particularly enamoured with modern life is rubbish. So Nick and I decided that we would write this terrible wrong by discussing the album itself, the impact it had had on us, Blur as a band at that point, where they had been, what had led them to the point of making Modern Life is Rubbish. They're now legendary, incendiary live performances as captured on Starsheet. And along the way, we, we talk about one or two other things as well. As ever, Nick is fascinating company, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. You can find Nick on Twitter, at Nick underscore Amy's. You can find me, at Mild Mannered Max. You can find the blog, at www.themildmanneredarmy.com where there is a whole heap of new material and if you so wish you can also now uh, support the blog and hopefully more of these podcasts by pledging over at Patreon from as little as $1 a month uh, all the way up to the extravagant sum of $5 a month and for that there will be rewards. Uh, Thanks to those who have already done so and uh, yeah, let's enjoy Nick and I Discussing Modern Life is Rubbish. Hello, hello, Paul. How are you doing? I'm very well, my friend. I'm very well. So we are uh, here, separated by I don't know how many hundreds of miles, and yet uh, completely united by uh, our desire to talk about at least one classic Britpop album tonight. Yes, absolutely. If not two, if we can. But yeah, definitely on the first. I have yeah. To say, yeah. There's been a bit of uh, a bit of chatter around uh, the album we're going to talk about. Uh, which, of course, is Blur's Modern Life is Rubbish. And as we speak, uh, Britpop Memories on Twitter is about to start the first Britpop listening party where they're going to be listening to this album as we are doing this. And there's been a couple of pieces written about Modern Life is Rubbish in the last few days as well. I I wrote one, and then uh, there was another chap on Twitter whose name now escapes me. I want to say Tim Worthing, but I'm not sure that's accurate. I'll I'll find out and I'll add it in later on. But um, yeah, so I, I, I I wonder why... Nick, why why modern life is rubbish? What is it about that record that is you know makes it so significant? Oh, it's yeah, it's a very good question and a deep one to kick off with. I have to say straight off that, like I said before on Twitter, I uh, I, I agree with you 100%. It's a masterpiece, and that uh, it is one of the most important Britpop albums. And may I add a far more important Britpop album than Park Life, in my opinion, which was the commercial high point, I think, for Blur at that time. I don't think I, we need to go into The Great Escape, really. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've come to appreciate that, appreciate that one a bit more in recent years, but I can't separate it from all that 
Damien Hurst malarkey, you know. It's it's a bit fat les light, plump les maybe, or something like that. <laughs> plump les. <laughs> or or sl- slightly rotund les maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I think it is. I think it's the high point. But certainly yeah. for, for that period of Blur, if we, if we take those three albums as a sort of trilogy, you know, if, yeah. if, we, if, we, if we put leisure to one side and say, well, that's kind of a calling card, that, 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 that trilogy of albums, Modern Life is Rubbish, Park Life and The Great Escape, is, for me, Modern Life is Rubbish is the high watermark. Uh, and I, I think you're right to describe it as a, a, a masterpiece. Yeah. But not for me, not just of Britpop, I, I think it is one of the great British records yeah no i know i i totally agree i think it could be it could definitely hold its hold its weight against anything like the kinks or you know small faces in terms of uh having that kind of very british feel but also the playfulness the musicianship the lyrical content it's uh it's of its time yet timeless like those albums, you know, you can pick maybe one or two out of any of the great bands and say, you know, it is as relevant now as it was then because it makes you feel the same way that maybe people felt then and the messages maybe not so you know, not so super relevant, but they'll they have these universal themes which we all, will always connect with in whatever time. And I think Modern Life is Rubbish is one of those. I mean, for me, whenever I listen to it, even now, I think it's a musical document of what Britain was like at that time. But it's also, you know, it's also these stories which remain true now, you know, about the the family gathering for the roast, you know, in Sunday, Sunday. And, you know, and the teenager, you can imagine them sitting there just counting the hours or the minutes before they can just do one and go and, be with their mates you know it's that that feeling which is always going to be everyone will feel like that at some point as they grow up and so it kind of nails very much that time but it could also very much apply to people's lives now which you know i think that that makes a great album or maybe a perfect album well you know it's, it's interesting the the original title that the album had in his head was uh, britain versus america yeah which I, th- I think it's interesting because you know, you know, there's that old thing, right? What's what's in a name? But actually, going with that title would have been so provocative and would have been so uh, insular-looking and inward-looking that it would have mm. dated the album itself very, very quickly. Yeah, but, absolutely. But modern life is rubbish is a timeless statement. I mean, he, again, Damon got a fair bit of stick when he talked about it being the most <laughs> important statement since you know anarchy in the UK. But I think he was right. I, I don't think that was just Damon being Damon. I, I think he was absolutely right. I think that that notion that modern life is rubbish is universal and timeless. There are always problems. And particularly for young people. Young people will always either hark back to a time that they feel may have been better or they will have one eye on the future. And sometimes they manage to meld both of those things and yeah. create something completely new. And I think that's what Modern Life is Rubbish did really well. It, it, it looked back at, at the risk of being obvious, it looked back at things like Village Green Preservation Society. Yeah. But it, And it definitely looked with a critical eye at what was going on in British culture at that moment. But it still managed to sound like a, a forward, a forward-looking thing. I mean, I described it in the piece that I wrote on the the site. I described it as a manifesto. 
And yeah. I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I totally agree with that as well. I mean, the album itself is punky, spunky, poppy, lippy, because, you know, he's having... He's having his fun, isn't he, Alban, on that album? Yeah, listen to those lyrics. He's, I mean, maybe even, I, I think they're, they're better than, what, what he comes up with there is like much better than some of the stuff on Park Life as well, which I think went in, was already kind of going a little bit too into pastiche. But on this one, you know, I think for me, it's one of those albums which changed it all. And, um, I had the same kind of experience when I first heard the Stone Roses album. It was such a, a, a life-changing album. It's not to say that, you know, music before that was irrelevant and I didn't think anything before was good. It's just that when one album like that comes along, it consumes you just so much that everything, pardon the pun, it kind of goes into a bit of a blur. And... Uh, that just kind of stands out for me that time listening to that for the first time and um you know it made me want to stomp about you know and get in people's faces which was different from you know the flower power kind of you know dancing your head off somewhere in a field and you know that was a way of forgetting about your troubles this is a bit more like okay this is right you know what he's saying is yeah we should get a little bit agitated about this you know yeah, modern life, what it's saying to me is that um, it's not a green and pleasant land. It's a country full of checkout girls who can't pay the rent and disenchanted office boys who, as he says, feel foul-mouthed as they stand and wait for the underground. You know, that's Blur's Britain in 93. It was dirty yeah. and knackered, you know. It's a great line, isn't it? Yeah, oh, totally, you know. And um, everyone's underpaid and it's all a bit sleazy, you know. And this is about Britain, which was a bit more than a bit crap and needed a bit of a kick in the backside. And I think that's where this album actually made people say, yeah, we're, we're the ones to do that. And that's why I think kicked off Britpop because it made people start thinking we should be involved in something now. This well, is... I think that's right, Nick. And I, th- I think the other interesting thing there is that in that regard, you know, Auburn's sort of rejection of the way things were as being the way things always had to be and also his violent reaction against grunge puts him side by side with Noel Gallagher, right? I mean, we've heard Noel Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, I hate myself and I want to die and thinking, no, 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 we can't have that. And okay, (laughs) it it wasn't written as a response to that, but then he Mm -hmm. wanted to put out different messages and live forever as that. And there's, there's a great quote from... Damon, well, I say a great quote. I mean, it's deliberately provocative, of course. He says, uh, if punk was about getting rid of hippies, then mm. I'm getting rid of grunge. It's the same sort yeah. of feeling. People, yeah, yeah, should, yeah. people should smarten up, be a bit more energetic. They're walking around like hippies again. They're stooped. They've got greasy hair. <laughs> there's, there's no difference. And I mean, I know that that makes him sound like a sort of, uh, you know, terrible middle-aged, middle-class dad. But that that has always been part of British youth culture. The idea of peacocking you know of of walking a certain way of talking a certain way and particularly of dressing a certain way in order to show that regardless of your background regardless of you know where you come from you're going to make an effort and i i think he was right i I think there were a lot of kids in britain at that point who just well certainly i was one of them i I did Mm -hmm. not want to wear you know jeans that were three sizes too big (laughs) you know 
I didn't want to wear that awful Nirvana T-shirt, you know, with the sort of smiley face with the dead eyes. I, I had no interest in that. Um, yeah. I didn't want to have greasy hair, uh, you know. I, and, and I think that that's the other aspect of Modern Life is Rubbish that makes it absolutely a manifesto. If he's talking like that, he definitely wanted to rally people around something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So what's your story? So when you... Uh, everyone has a story which... Uh, related to the album where were you before it came out and uh what changed yeah well i I think at that point i would still have been uh, kind of firmly in the grip of the the smiths and morrissey thing you know that that had come along for me maybe around about 89 and that that dominated everything for the next three, four years, certainly until Modern Life is Rubbish. But but floating around in the background was always the, the fact that my mum and dad were mods, you know, so there was always a mod thing lurking in my background. But at that point, I would still have had the quiff, I would still have had the, you know, sort of vintage Levi's, I would still have had, oh, I don't know, Smith's T-shirts and blah, blah, blah. And then I remember seeing the photographs that accompanied Modern Life is Rubbish, you know, Damon with the, the Great Dane, um, yeah. them sort of skulking around in side yeah. streets with suit jackets on, you know, the Dr. Mm. Martin boots. And I remember having a real reaction to that. And I, I can remember being in the in the common room at school with my, my mate Chris and the two of us seeing this in the NME or Melody Maker and without saying anything to each other, the, the, the very next day, my quiff was gone and we both <laughs> turned up at school in uh, Fred Perry's as opposed to white shirts yeah. um, and our school ties tied backwards. You know that thing kids do where they turn the, the fat end to the rear? So the skinny oh, yeah. end is at the front. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, even before hearing it, it had this enormous impact on everything that I was doing. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Um yeah kind of kind of similar it was a it was that kind of impact on the change of life and image pretty much overnight i think it goes back a little bit further for me yeah i'll I'll be very un me and say that i came to blur through the most popular route which is there's no other way Hmm. so there's no i loved seymour first blah 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 kind of thing no (laughs) it was the radio friendly hit single that got me into it but you know and uh, the only muso thing I can probably add is that it was at the time of release, but that just shows my age rather than any kind of like finger <laughs> finger on the pulse. But anyway, so uh, so Blur were on my radar from about what ninety one onwards, I suppose. So I played Leisure to Death, but I was particularly baggy at the time. I was well into the, the Stone Roses and Happy Monday, so I was in the jeans, which were three times too big. And uh, the the re- regurgitated flower power, and of course Le- leisure got thrown in with that, which is it really shouldn't have done, and that's another conversation for another yeah. day. But and uh, yeah, so when when leisure was out, uh, played that to death and saw them multiple times around that time, and uh, and then nothing kind of materialised for a while. Another st- other stuff started to creep in for me. There was a bit of an ecstasy hangover going on, so there was there was stuff like the Orb and Prodigy and the Shame and horrible stuff like that, <laughs> which were were doing kind of underground <laughs> stuff around in our area, which you know filled the time. But then suddenly, yeah, what was it? January '93, I think I've got written down here, and then um, For Tomorrow was released, and then I, I heard that and 
just as I'd ditched my goth garb in the 80s for flower power, <laughs> I was suddenly wearing three pairs of football socks so I could fit into my brother's Dr. Martins, you know. And I went the flares and in came the stay press. And, uh, you know, I remember one particular scene very clearly. It's, to this day, it stands out. And uh, I rib the people who were involved continually when I do get to see them. But uh, I used to live very close to one of those seaside towns, you know, where Morrissey would talk about they forgot to close down. And uh, me and my mates all used to congregate at the seafront arcade. We always used to meet up there. It was very depressing. Very kind of 80s, windswept, no money kind of typical, kind of almost Mike Lee kind of scenario. But anyway, <laughs> so, but my, my conversion, or Shea Meadows probably more than anything. But um, yeah, so my conversion was pretty rapid. So I, there was me, I kind of pull up in the car park in my crappy Fiesta and strut out with my cropped hair. And happy Monday's curtains were then long gone in a tweed blazer and drain pipes and these overly massive DMs. No word of a, I tell you, no word of a lie. My, my mates took one look at me and their faces dropped and they just walked off. Not, not a word, shunned I was. And they didn't speak to me because in their eyes I had betrayed this whole summer of love and, you know, the roses and the Mondays and so I could do one. And so I did. <laughs> but, of course, it didn't last didn't last because you know there was some general resistance and mickey taking until modern life is rubbish came out in may of that year and uh you know i bought it straight away and i had it on in the car and uh next thing you know everyone's listening to it they play the um the norwich uea which was our the biggest venue nearest to us so we went and there they were you know all my mates fred perried up po going around like they'd never even heard of a pair of maracas and uh yeah and so it wasn't you know it wasn't just for me it changed everything for them too and uh after that you could barely see a pair of flares on the street that's it, right it yeah was, joe, joe, joe blogs was, oh, was banished joe blogs joe was banished. Blogs, joe <laughs> or, or pepe pepe jeans were another brand that i seem to remember were quite popular yeah. at that time yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't a good look uh, no. I, th I think that's that's safe to say now, listen you, you mentioned two things there that i want to pick up on i want to talk a little bit about what it was like seeing blur at that point i'll maybe tell yeah. my story about that in a second but i want to go back to hearing for tomorrow yeah because for me if those three albums are the kind of Britpop trilogy and if Modern Life is Rubbish is, is the high point. For me, Modern Life is Rubbish is the high point for Blur Full Stop. Yeah. Um, there's lots of other things that I really enjoy, you know, all the way through. Um, but n nothing for me works quite as cohesively as a whole album as Modern Life is Rubbish. And, and for me, the high point of that high point is definitely for tomorrow. I can remember really clearly going to buy that. I had this girlfriend called Claire who lived in a tiny little town called Johnston which is just outside of Paisley right. which if you if you're ever playing shit town top trumps Paisley <laughs> Paisley is the card to play um and I can remember she had a Saturday job in a little pharmacy in Johnston and so I used to go over on a Friday night I'd get the bus over you know and I'd have my you know, Walkman on and be reading. Do you remember those football comic strip storybooks you used to get? I, for some reason, even though I was sort of 17 or 18, I would buy two of those and, you know, read them on the bus on the way over and oh, yeah. get to Johnston and 
on the Saturday morning, she would get up and, and go off to the pharmacy and then I would sort of go and meet her after she finished her shift. And I can remember going the the, the week that the Modern Life is Rubbish had come out and I can remember the two of us going after she finished her shift to the tiny little record store in town. There was a Woolworths and then there was a little record yeah, yeah. store. I want, I want to say it was called Stereo One, but I don't know if that's accurate. But I, I remember going to Stereo One and picking up CD One and CD Two for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, cover art alone was just enough. It was so great, you know, those Spitfires and the sort of yeah, boys' yeah, yeah. own birthday card thing. And it all just looked so great. You know, it was so evocative. It was so, I mean, almost aggressively British, right? Yeah. Um, and then the, yeah, the content, risky, though, like, wasn't it? Uh, almost, almost. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was a, a very odd time. You know, I mean, the the music press were, were not keen on that kind of thing at that point. Yeah, you know, yeah. the, 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 notion, the notion of Britishness as a positive was, mm, you know, that was a risky decision to take. Mm. Um, but the, the song itself, though, is so achingly beautiful. It's so romantic in sort of every way. You know, there's strings and it's, you know, it's got melody layered on top of melody and Alburn has this kind of yearning in, in the vocal and it's bringing up, you know, things like the West Way and Primrose Hill and it, it's also London. And yet, and yet, despite that, I got it and yeah. I connected with it immediately, which suggests that there was something universal at the heart of this vision that they were creating with that song. I love that song. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I get that from what you've written about it before. And uh, yeah, I, I love it too. I would actually, well, it's just pure personal taste and probably it's, uh, uh, it's a different story which then puts my choice ahead of yours in my own personal scale. But um, I think it was Chemical World for me which did it for that. And not because I, I think it's a better song, but there was, there was just something about it, the way that it's structured and... It's uh, I don't know, it's rhythm to it got me a little bit more, but um, yeah, for for tomorrow I can see for opening up and and um, releasing that first, and uh, compared to all the stuff which had come out from Leisure, you know, it's like wait a minute, is this the same band? Right, it's 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 so it's so it's such another step in terms of quality. It's a step to the side in terms of style as well, and it it kind of knocked me me uh, sideways as well. So, but in a different way from what you've mentioned. But. Well, I think we have to give some kind of credit to Stephen Street at that point, don't we? In terms of how oh, yeah. things were sounding, you know, I mean, he he is yeah, absolutely. He's the master, right? I mean, yeah. he is he's the man, you know, for for that particular sound, for that particular style, for those bands i mean even he's worked with people like the cranberries i mean i'm not a huge fan of the cranberries but you know his his ability to elevate things yeah. is just I, I think he's close to being untouchable um Stevens. yeah he's, he's brilliant he's he's the perfect man for bands like that and uh yeah i noticed that he um he picked up on your article as well on twitter which i thought was kind of cool and that was nice and in fact um i sent him a message tonight and asked him if he would like to join us um but i i, I only plucked up the courage to do that at about five minutes before we started <laughs> he said it was it was a bit short notice but um maybe next time he did hint that he, he wouldn't be averse to the, the the concept of uh talking to you a real writer uh, and i can maybe just ah, work in the cyber shadows um yeah all right so now what about this um going to see Blur live at that point yeah. do you have any memories of that and what that was like 
Um, my, <laughs> it's their own fault for picking the name for the band, isn't it? But everything is a bit of a blur. I have to. <laughs> um, I remember at one point seeing them when they had these stage set up as a living room, and I can't remember. Yes, is, is that is that the Modern Life is Rubbish tour? Because Wait, um, that's that's what I can't remember because I remember that as well. You I remember, remember that seeing, too. I do. I saw Blur playing at the Glasgow Barland in front yeah. of about maybe 500 people, if you were lucky. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking it must have been before A Modern Life is Rubbish, because maybe in the space in between, because Radiohead were the support act. Right. And it was it was the Yamaha Music Festival. And so there was like okay. a, a, a local band who'd won some kind of local competition to play at the Barlands. And I remember they had somebody in a top hat who threw playing cards into the audience. It was all very mm. surreal. And then Radiohead came on. Then, as now, I wasn't particularly enamoured with yeah. it. And then Blur came on. And as you say, yeah, they had the place done up like a, a sort of very strange sitting room. There was a big yeah. armchair and a fridge and a standard lamp. That's it, and the uh, lamp would flash on and off. That's like, right. Kind of like odd, odd slight um, short circuit or something going on to it. Yeah, it's a bit like the, um, is it the pop scene video. They're in a kind of certain, like a situation That's like right. that. With the carpeted walls and those, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I remember that for sure. I remember, um, I remember seeing them when they um, toured Leisure, and that was very basic. And of course, they were ramshackle as hell and that. But <laughs> modern life is rubbish. I remember seeing them at the UEA as well, because, like I said previously, that was kind of the biggest place, very close by to where we were. And um, our friend. At Britpop Memories, he mentioned on Twitter not so long ago. He said uh, he mentioned about the the Modern Life is Rubbish tour and put some yeah. um, clipping up from the NME and said, Does, "Has any did anyone go to these gigs?" And I and I looked. And I knew that I'd been on, I'd seen them on that tour for sure, but the um, the dates I went to weren't on there. So I checked, did my own research, and it was after the release of the album. So it was around June, I think, that I saw them. But it was definitely on that tour. And, uh, yeah, it was mental. One of the things which I think it's it's it happens on the um, – or in the Starshape video as well, you know, when Damon oh, yeah. mess, messes his foot up, you know, he breaks his foot or something. <laughs> That's right. The, like a speaker stack a, falls a speaker, on his ankle. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was at the UEA. And uh, he climbed up to the top of the speakers on one side of the stage, and he was he was more than a little bit inebriated, and <laughs> it could have all ended then. It could have it could have been <laughs> I don't know minor pop star pop pop star dies in speaker fall or something, but uh, yeah, it was they, they they were pretty crazy, and that was I remember it being a I also remember. <laughs> Was it then? No, it must have, it might have been a different, a later gig because Pop Scene had been released. It was Pop, Pop Scene came later? Pop Scene came before Park Life, didn't it? Not no, be- Pop Scene came before Modern Life is Rubbish, and they, okay. they, they didn't they didn't include it because that's it only it. made it to number thirty two okay. in the charts or something. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm getting that's it. You've 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 nailed it. So it probably was that gig, and uh, me and my friend Dixie. God bless you wherever you are. I miss you. 
I hadn't seen him for like decades. We would gig together all over the place. We were massive fans of pop scene, but also the B side, one of the B sides was Mace. That's right. Yeah, great yeah. record. Brilliant. And uh, if I read the the um, I can't remember who wrote the book, the the story of Blurs. Like um, anyway, it mentions that it's 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 written about being a gig which turned into an almost riot and there were no windows or something and then they started using tear gas or something the police were outside <laughs> and they'd written they'd written mace about this gig which had gone completely tits up and anyway so we were in the crowd and it was at the i remember now you're right it was at this um modern life is rubbish tour at this show and there was a break in the song and my mate dixie was shouting mace play mace and Damon's like, you're being too selective. <laughs> and that was just, that's enough for us. Well, you didn't even have to play the song. You answered us at least. We will bass. No, being too selective. <laughs> I mean, those, 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 those gigs at that point in time were, you know, genuinely chaotic. You know, yeah. I think a, a, a mixture of desperation and uh, alcohol combined to, to make them yeah. just just mad i mean it's funny when you when you look back at star shaped now mm. it's it's just so peculiar mm. you know they, they all all four of them come across as just very very peculiar people you know there's damon <laughs> who's just this sort of mad imp running around you know shouting yeah. dancing jumping mm. flirting graham's kind of sulking in a corner somewhere you know looking arch and knowing there's there's that wonderful moment i don't know if you remember where they're sitting on the tour bus and alex james is having a <laughs> cup of tea with a saucer and he's doing it beautifully you know <laughs> he's, 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 he's managing to do it and and graham's dribbling, <laughs> chipping right. his all over the place <laughs> it's just wonderful the, the other thing i really yeah. love about star shaped is I, can't remember, I think it's quite close to the end where they're sitting around a sort of campfire at Glastonbury or whatever, and there's some awful kind of pseudo-goth type girl yeah. who's pontificating about oh, goodness knows what, and just the look on all of their faces as if to say, no, you don't get it. That's yeah. not what this is. This 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 is something different. All all of this stuff that you're spewing, all this kind of musal bollocks, you know, melody yeah. maker from 1977. We're not interested in that. We're, 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 it's different now. This this is it. We are it, and we've set the template. They they were just so. I, I think they genuinely saw it as their last chance, right? And that that, that yeah, either yeah. goes one of two ways. I think for a band, either it propels them to something incredible. Or it just all ends in tears. And for Blood, it clearly led to somewhere that none of them, I think, could really have imagined. Not even Damon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Because, I don't know, unless you are a big fan or you dig into it and you, or you're you interested in knowing the history about certain records, which I certainly am, so I mean, you know, that's, that's part of, as much as the music in some ways, I want to find out more about how it was made and, when they made it and what was happening and all that. But at that time, they were really in quite a bit of deep shit, weren't they? I mean, the, in terms of the uh, the record company, they're like, you know, you have to come up with something better than you know, what we've heard or we're going to dump you. And they're like, okay. They come up with Modern Life is Rubbish, which the record company didn't seem to get as far as I can make out. And then 
they were really on that last chance, as you say, that they when they're touring it and trying to get people to understand it and uh, drinking a lot and trying to really push it over the line or to at least get it out there to people who then got it in large amounts. It must have been a real, really high-pressure time. And, uh, you know, because we know that well, uh, Graham, Graham Coxon is what, well, was. He was a bit fragile at the time. That, yeah. A bit later yeah, as I well. Think that's right. but, I, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, Graham Coxon such an interesting character in the whole Blur story. You know, a, yeah. a, lot, a lot is made of, you know, Damon Albarn and his kind of pop vision and, you know, his lyricism and his songwriting. Yeah. But I, th- I think, you know, the heart of the, the story, I think the heart of the band is Graham Coxon. Oh, you know, yeah. Because he, he, I mean, I, I, I've told this story on the on the on the the site and probably more than one article. I'm I'm nothing if not you know um, self regurgitating, and <laughs> the you know being backstage on the part life tour, I you know was there a few nights and Damon was the ringmaster and mm-hmm. Alex would be surrounded by you know whichever gaggle of very beautiful young women you know had been brought to him. In fact, Louise Weiner from Sleeper talks about this in in, in her book just for one yeah. day about yeah, what yeah. that tour was like. But then there's Graham. You know, and I can remember very clearly seeing Graham backstage at the Queen Hall, Queen's Hall in Edinburgh, and you know he he was just there. You know, the, the, there wasn't the same sort of press of bodies against him, mm. and he did. I think you're right. He he looked even at that point fragile. There's something about me that thinks he's not particularly comfortable mm. with some of the trappings of of his chosen career. You know, I think yeah. he'd be quite happy if he could just release music which i guess is what he does now right he just kind of releases yeah. music and he he doesn't have to worry about all the gubbins that goes alongside it i actually like watching like interviews he does now because he's actually quite at ease with himself even though he, he yeah. does still seem a little bit on the edge i think that's just him yeah but um, it, it's nice to see that he's he's a bit more comfortable in himself because at times during the, these periods that we're talking about he looks like he could um yeah, rip his skin off or something. But uh, luckily, he put it into his guitar, and that's something which I wanted to bring up as well when we sure. started to talk about the actual music on Modern Life is rubbish. Because you know, I admit I'm a frustrated guitarist, as in I'm frustrated that I'm not a guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be, but the old adage rings true for me. It's like it would sound better if I threw it down the stairs. But, um, you know, I love guitarists, and Graham Coxon is by a long way my favourite. And um, on Modern Life is Rubbish, he really starts to get a real handle on that signature sound. All the different aspects of it, I mean, you know, I love that kind of brash, choppy stuff he does on stuff like um, Advert and Coping. And then there's the poppier stuff like Star Shaped, Sunday, Sunday. But also the weird queasy stuff he comes up with as well. You know, we with all the bendy strings on things like Pressure on Julian and Oily Water, Miss America, all these things. It's it's for me listening to that. And then, as I said before, we see interviews of him now, and he plays those now. And you look, how the hell do you do that with your fingers? And like he, I don't think he actually when he was doing it, coming up with it, he was being a musician i think he was just doing it by feel and he knew what he wanted to do with it and how it sounded he still somehow manages to remember how to do it now 
unlike Johnny Marr, apparently, he can't play some of the Smith stuff because it was so intricate that now he can't do it the same, yeah. apparently. But, um, yeah, I think um, I think Graham Cox and he, he imp- improves massively in degrees on the two albums, which came after Modern Life as well. As well. But then he starts to go off into a completely different league on Blur and 13, and after that he's just like... The sound changes, obviously, in the style, but for me, it's quintessential Coxon on on modern life is rubbish. It's just. Yeah, do you think? Not, do you think he gets stuff. the? Do you think he gets the credit that he he deserves, Nick? Because I, 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 I'm thinking about you know when people talk about you know great British guitarists, if we put Johnny Marr to one side, you know I'm talking about maybe from the sort of indie era on, right? So Johnny mm. Marr kind of is, I mean he's almost deified, right? Yeah. Um, but then from the Britpop era, or certainly from that kind of early 90s era forward through the, the baggy thing, mm. you know, John Squires gets a lot of love. Um, Andy Bell from Ride gets a lot of love. Mm. I'm not so sure that I hear Coxon being talked about in the same way. And I, I don't mm. understand that because I'm with you. I think mm. some of the things that he did, and, and I agree especially about those slightly trippier, slightly queasier uh, moments, and then yeah. the, the later stuff, the kind of post-Britpop stuff, where he's clearly drawing on you know, d- different inspirations. He's, he's moved on from you know, the backwards looking stuff that, that had so infused the, the, the Britpop albums. Yeah I, yeah. I don't I don't know that he gets the same Bernard Butler, should we chuck him into the mix as well? I don't know that he gets the same respect. And I wonder if that's about I don't know. I, I wonder if that's about just the force of Damon Albarn's personality. Mm, and and how right. much of the how much of the light he kinda sucks into himself. Not yeah. not willfully, I don't think. You know, I just I just think when you've got somebody like Damon who is his beautiful as certainly as he, he he was and he's still infinitely more attractive than i am now that we've <laughs> progressed to these later stage of life but you know he was a very beautiful boy he was witty he was gobby you know he had a twinkle in his eye and i wonder if that was it i wonder if there's a bit of that what do you think oh uh, yeah definitely i think um put up against a front man like damon alban at that time um you have to be you have to be a personality and a character to match that to be noticed i think um it's more it's not just how you can play and what your contribution to the music is at that point especially in that era i think you have to be you have to be glowing like alban was and graham you know he's he's not back then he wasn't an unattractive guy either he had the he had it going on that's right yeah, yeah yeah but um because of the the shyness and you've got I don't know, Alex James, you could learn like, and get off of the lamppost. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, then there's, then there's Dave. Oh, come on. We love Dave. Dave's a, Dave's a local councillor in my hometown at the moment, which is funny. I, I have to, I have to drop this into the conversation right now. Cause I got this, got this message from my mate the other day who works at Norwich council. And he actually took a slash next to Dave in the, in the, the, the toilets the other day, and I asked him if he went woohoo next to him, but um, <laughs> but he didn't. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I wonder. 
now I'm thinking, Nick, that we've wasted um, <laughs> 40 minutes uh, t- t- talking with anyway. a couple of old, you know, kind of musical wankers about records from our youth. What we should really have been doing was uh, just, you know, a 30-second podcast where one or other of us uh, says something vaguely insulting <laughs> about uh, a Britpop icon. Oh, exactly. Alex James, get off with a, a lamppost, that get one. Get off with a lamppost. We'll see you next thanks, week. Thanks for listening, yeah. everybody. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, exactly. We do little snippets. We can put them online. Um, well, I, well yeah. but, but come on, let's think you're right. Let's, let's be honest, Nick. Yeah. Maybe not for you. I mean, you're a deeply attractive man in, in so many ways. But for me, I would have been quite happy with the attentions of a lamppost. So I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge Alex too harshly for that. No, I mean I have to I have to admit I've hung hung on a lamppost at the end of the night and none of them came <laughs> none of them came home with me so you know <laughs> all right I, let's, I, don't know, let's, I don't know if you're right about that anyway let's move on rapidly let's move on let's let's begin to bring things to a, a close i wonder if there are yeah. things on the album that you don't like or do you think that the, the whole thing needs all of those component parts um see i don't like sunday sunday do you not no. I think well, I I don't I don't dislike it, and I can see kind of see where you're coming from. It, it's a bit knees up, Mother Brown, right? And um, I, I think it all works very well together. What What about if I if I let you go back in time and I let yeah. you take out Sunday Sunday and put yeah. in either Beach Coma or Mace? Oh yeah, well then, no no question, I'll put Mace in instead. But whether or not, yeah, but but whether or not that would um, mess with the flow and the message, well, that's prob- true. Probably would. I mean, if you if you then say maybe would you put pop scene in instead? Is that too many big tunes? Well, that's, need, yeah, you I mean, that's a, the thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You would need a fast one to replace it, I think. And Mace is kind of, but I mean, I'm just wondering whether or not. <clears throat> if you took it out and put something it's hard to say i mean who who was it was this i think somebody online was um going on about taking out various tunes they hated on be here now and putting in some of the b-sides and i'm on board with that and you know there are some things which should have been put on instead and would have made it a better album i don't know whether or not you could do the same with um modern life is rubbish and what they had going on at that time and still have the same impact and cohesion as what you've got now yeah no i, th- I think you're probably right i think you, you make a compelling case and uh yeah i'm, I'm gonna let sunday sunday stay which, yeah, I, think, you know, which I think is very magnanimous of me it is it is <laughs> I, I i think i think they should be very, you know very you know they should show their gratitude in some way for that um (laughs) i always found these um was it interlude and exit lude i mean i I thought they were a little bit indulgent but um yeah but they kind of work in a way of tying things together well that's it i mean it's and i I guess that 
they, they must, I mean, I don't know, I've not been in a studio, but I'm guessing that these things must be played around with. You know, they, they must come up with various kind of running orders and track listings and they must experiment a little bit. I, I can't imagine yeah. that they just sit down, record 12 songs, 13 songs and say, right, that's it, and we'll put them in alphabetical order. You know, no. there must be more thought goes into it than that. Yeah, 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 I would imagine. Well, I, I'm pretty sure they are because, you know, kind of builds it up. You have to have a, a breath... And then you're back in with a big song again. And you, where do you stick your ballads? And so to speak, yeah. Always, always be careful where you stick your ballads, Paul. And, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, it's good advice. It's very good yeah. advice, everybody. I don't know. Um, there, there's, I would have to go and listen to it again now and uh, think about it because I haven't really ever thought about it. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a, it's a sign of, um how perfect the album actually is that I hadn't thought about. There's nothing I would skip. You know, there are some albums where you go like, okay, maybe go on to the next one. But it runs it runs through for me. And, well, that's uh, true, actually. Now, yeah. That's true, because I, the, the moment you said that, I was thinking, you know, because obviously I listened to it a lot while I was writing mm. the, the, the piece, and I didn't skip Sunday Sunday. You know, I didn't think, oh well, I know that, so I'm just mm. going to I'm just going to move past that, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time on X, Y, or Z. Mm. No, you're right. I mean, it it does work as a as a whole, right? Okay. But why? Well, I'm, coming, I'm coming round okay. to Sunday Sunday. Okay, but you haven't told me why you would want to take it out. What it is about it? I, I, yeah, th- there's something about borders on being a kind of. Hmm, it's not this, but I, I've got a problem with. Funny songs. Okay, I'm with you. Carry on. You know, there's there's a difference between a, a comedy record. I understand that there is a difference between you know Joe Dolce's "Shut Up Your Face" and "Sunday Sunday," but it's such a fine line. Like Park Life, I I, I cannot stand that song, I, and that I would absolutely skip, I don't like it I hated the video, I, I, I hated the Phil Daniels thing, I thought it was too obvious um, and I, I, I didn't care what they said at the time about how you know they were more influenced by Mean Time than Quadrophenia, everybody knows why they put Phil Daniels on that, that record at that point, I, I just don't like it I, I talked on another piece that I put up the other day there's been so many this month but <laughs> another thing happened, I was yeah, saying I went to see Stuart Lee, the comedian uh, in Edinburgh once, and there was a guitar at the back of the stage, and I could not relax. I could not relax. I could not give myself over to that thing that he does, you know, the repetition, the beat, the rhythm. You know, it's almost like a jazz performance when you see Stuart Lee. You know, it's so clever. It's so carefully constructed. But I knew that there was a song coming at the end, and I knew it was going to be a funny song. And I, I could not un, I could not relax. But but in, interestingly, that that says yeah. something about the the magnificence of the rest of Modern Life is Rubbish because it it doesn't stop me enjoying the album and I don't skip it. So yeah, maybe it's not. A, I you know I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again as soon as this is done. I'm going to I'm going to go back and listen. Maybe maybe I've got this all wrong. Maybe I'm. Maybe, do you know what I'm trying to do? Maybe maybe I'm just trying to be you know that guy. Yeah, like, this is a great record, but... But, yeah. I don't want to be that guy, Nick. Yeah, yeah they get a job at the quietus if you do stuff like that. Oh. Let's not go there. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I don't, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think, um, I don't think there's anything which I would change. 
which is great. And um, I'm super happy I managed to get it on. Well, I say I managed to get it. It's not like the hardest thing in the world, but I've got it now on vinyl and uh, it's a double album on heavyweight vinyl and it sounds lovely. It sounds really, really nice. And um, yeah, my little girl, she um, actually likes Sunday Sunday. I have to say, but it's got that. It's, maybe it's got that kind of childlike kind of doom, 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 doom thing going on, which maybe gets a three and a half year old up and dancing. But yeah, yeah. no, I, I know why you've shared that story. I know what's going on, on Twitter now. Mild mannered Max hates children. Yeah, that's that's, that, it, yeah. that's that's what it is. Yeah, my that's my little it. girl loves Sunday Sunday. Mild mannered Max hates Sunday Sunday. Ergo, mild mannered Max <laughs> hates children. Uh, well, look, before before we finish yeah. before we finish completely. Uh, yeah. We, we should maybe trail yeah. what's going mm. to come next time we talk by saying that, of course, Modern Life is Rubbish is not the first Britpop album. It's not the album that really kickstarts that move. That, of course, would be the eponymous debut album from Suede. Looking forward to that one, too. Yeah, I, I know you've got a lot to say about that, uh, as do I. Well, listen, Nick, thank you so much for giving up uh, some time uh, to talk oh, to me. You're very it's, welcome. Anytime, man. Anytime. You know that. All right, my friend. Well, uh, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, good one. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Mild Mannered Army podcast. Thank you so much to Nick. Please do give him a follow over on Twitter at Nick Amy's. Thank you to all of you who follow me there at Mild Mannered Max. Thank you for supporting the site, themildmanneredarmy.com. And please do give some thought to pledging over at Patreon. It really will help us to continue to keep the site going and to make more podcasts. So thank you so much for listening and until next time.